podcast is going to cover the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory Fire. To start off, this fire occurred on March 25, 1911 in Manhattan, New York City, and is known to be the deadliest industrial disaster in the history of Manhattan. The early 1900s was the time of the U.S. labor movement, the New Deal, and the development of new health standards as the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory workers began working to protest for increased wages, reduced working hours, for safer working conditions, union representation, as well as getting paid for overtime and the New York Shirtwaist Strike of 1909. But Isaac Herricks and Max Blanc, the owners of the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory, refused to better working conditions or meet the garment workers' demands in their buildings until 1910. In this time, they still refused to even install fire safety appliances, create a union, or address concerns regarding the condemned fire escapes and locked doors as they were notorious for their unsafe working conditions because they would purposely set their businesses on fire to collect insurance money while refusing to pay their workers a fair amount or even minimal respect. Over the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire, there were some key figures, some being Isaac Harris and Max Blanc. These were the owners of the factory. The day that the fire occurred, Harris and Blanc locked the doors of the factory to prevent from stealing and to ensure that workers would not leave. Another key figure was Alfred Smith, and this was the governor at the time. Robert Wagner was the senator at the time. Smith and Wagner helped apply some of the aspects that were going to be incorporated into the New Deal, which was set out by President Franklin Roosevelt. Lastly, there is Frances Perkins. She was the star of the creation of the Factory Investigating Commission. It would later go on to create safer working environments for the laborers. The Triangle workers consisted of mainly young, teenage immigrant women who spoke little to no English. They worked hard in the cramped spaces of the top three floors of the 10-floor Triangle building with 600 other workers. They worked at the line of sewing machines for a minimum of 12 hours every day of the week, only to be paid about $15 each week. This building was considered to be a sweatshop as the workspace consisted of only one functioning elevator, cramped workspaces, and long, narrow halls with little space for the workers to move. The day of the Triangle Fire. Just as the workers were preparing to leave the building for the day, a small fire started from a cigarette in a rag bin. The fire was attempted to be put out by multiple workers of the building, but their attempts were unsuccessful as the fire was spreading too fast to be put out with buckets of water or the rusted water hose. Panic set in while thick smoke spread with the fire throughout the eighth floor. Many workers tried to exit the building through the single functioning elevator. The elevator barely transported anyone before it broke down in flames. The only thing left for other workers to do was to attempt to exit by jumping out of windows, down elevator shafts, or through narrow stairwells and hallways. The majority were unable to escape because of the doors and exits that were kept locked to prevent from stealing. As the firefighters arrived, they were met with many obstacles. One of these obstacles being that there were bodies on top of the water hose from people who had jumped out of the window in hopes of escaping the fire. The ladder of the fire truck was also too short as it only reached up to the seventh floor of the 10th floor building when the majority of the fire was on the eighth floor. There were basically just a lot of things preventing the fire from being put out as quickly as possible and it was also difficult for the fire escape to be useful to the workers as it was condemned resulting in the workers burning or suffocating alive. 
Some of them were lucky enough to escape through the roof and then to adjoined buildings that were through life nets, but life nets were quickly proven incapable as they broke and failed to catch people. There were many things that could have prevented this fire, but the locked doors, broken fire escape, and water hose proved this company negligent of basic safe working conditions. Overall, the Triangle Shirtlace Factory Fire caused 146 deaths, where 123 of them were women and 23 of them were men. After the fire, a trial was held for Harris and Blanc to see justice. They were not indicted, but $75 went to each of the victims' families. Harris and Blanc were given around $400 from insurance for each death. Still, the victims' families were given the amount of $75. After the fire, many reforms and protests occurred to seek better working environments, pay, and hours. From this, there were unions that came too, like the Ladies' Garment Workers' Union, or the LGWU. Another thing that came from this fire was the Factory Investigating Commission from Francis Perkins, which later on turned into the growth of a new law which was the Sullivan Howey Fire Prevention Law. This made factories and other working environments need further safety developments along the lines of sprinklers. Another development was the fire inspection laws. These would ensure that buildings wouldn't lead to another disaster like the Triangle. The devastating effects of the shirtwaist factory fire sparked a demand for change in New York City. A variety of protection laws and new protocols were established to prevent a tragedy like this from ever happening again. The fire led to the fire prevention legislation which mandated stricter requirements regarding fire safety. They also established factory inspection laws which established a requirement for inspections of businesses and a requirement of a safe work environment for all, and lastly the International Ladies Garment Workers Union was created. Two of the most important figures in creating these new fire safety protocols and laws are Francis Perkins and Al Smith, who worked vigorously together to rewrite New York's labor laws while creating safe work environment conditions and fire safety rules for women and children. There have been other instances in which unsafe working conditions have caused devastating effects. In the case of the Radium Girls, 112 factory workers died as a result of ingesting harmful chemicals that exposed them to radiation. The radium girls led to the Occupational Disease Labor Law being established, which was another step in the right direction for safer working conditions. In short, for much time, other factories and workers did not see improvement in their conditions. Though the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire was a tragedy, the progression, unions like the LGWU, and better working conditions in terms of hours and pay could not have been made without it. The Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire was one of the biggest pushes into better life for the working class. The Triangle Shirtwaist Factory now is a big activist and progressive landmark in New York City. <laughs>